Amen. Glory to God. We thank the musician and choir for leading us into worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are on the 18th sermon of this series. And we are dealing with, at this standpoint, win the battle within your mind. And the Lord dealt with me this week saying, an attitude. <laughs> oh, somebody need a shout on that. Your attitude can keep you cursed and keep you from your blessing because you got a wrong attitude. Hallelujah. I, I, I think I want to prove that today. Amen. The scripture that I'm going to read from is not going to come from Ephesians, but it's an, a scripture that deals with the same thing. Amen. We're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 5. It should come up. It should come up. If it don't, listen real good as I read. <laughs> Amen. I gave them the wrong scripture, so not that one. Let me read it. Amen. It reads as such in our hearing. For though we walk, live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh, using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical, weapons of the flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow, the destruction of strongholds in so much as we refute arguments and theories and reasons every proud and lawful thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. That's warfare. That's warfare in our minds and in our attitude. Amen. You can sit down. Father, even now, Lord, even now, make clear your word to us. Help us to see. Allow the light to get brighter so that the darkness will flee. Lord, order the words that come out of my mouth and allow me to be able to articulate what you have shown me, what I see. Lord, even now, hide me behind your glory that 
they will hear you. They will see you and not me. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm at war <laughs> in my mind. And whether you want to admit it or not, every day through living life, we are making decisions, making choices that is either blessing us are cursing us. Whether we know it or not, the, when we are acting, making decisions, we are planting seeds. Seeds that will come up later in life. <laughs> the, one of the major problems we have is we want that when we do something for God, as we phone God, we want the benefit of it right now. One of the things God has shown throughout scripture that he is a farmer. He plants. He gives seeds. There, there's seed time. There's harvest time. That. That is set in nature. And it's not only set in nature, it's set in the spiritual world that if you plant by faith, if you hold out by faith, if you persevere by faith, if you water by faith, you shall reap because of your faith. Now, the problem with that concept is that Satan knows that, too. <laughs> and the devil is constantly testing our faith. Pushing us in the opposite direction. He knows that if we're not trusting God and God's heart and God's way, we're going to make decisions that seems like it's going to benefit us immediately. But what we don't understand, we're planting bad seeds that's going to produce bad fruit. Rebecca, God says, my people perish from a lack of knowledge. I mean, they are dying because they don't understand my ways. They, not, they have not taken heed. They do not understand. I, I try to tell them, but they're holding on to their own intellect, own understanding, own thinking, and, and, and watch this, and they won't surrender. What, what, I, what I realize, even in my own life, many times, it's not that I don't know. I got to fight my want to. Is there anybody in the house know what I'm talking about? Most of the time, it's not that we don't know 
what we supposed to do. We don't know. It's not that we don't know right and wrong. It's not that we don't know enough word to walk in it. It's just that, that whenever God is dealing with us, speaking with us, there's the flush that rises up and says, but I want my right. I got my opinion. I want a say-so. Wonder if Christ on the cross would have said that about. What I'm learning is, is that when, when, when I accept Jesus as my Savior and my Lord, and I want to walk in his favor, and you want to walk in his favor, I give up my rights. I, I give up my, my opinions. And if I really want to walk in maximum blessing and favor, and I want that, that, that pomegranate fruit seed, seed increase, I constantly, and you constantly have to struggle with the decisions we make when we know what God is saying, but we don't want to. The battlefield is in our mind. The war is that, that, that there, there's some areas in our lives that God is going to put his finger on. And God is trying, he's trying to get us in alignment that he may bless us real good. <laughs> so somebody said, well, well, how you know that? The pomegranate. The pomegranate represents God's intention, God's, God's want to, God, God, God wants to entrust us with all those seeds of blessing, of increase. Over a, you can have over 1,500 seeds in, in one fruit. The pomegranate was, 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 was so into the picture of it was sewn into the high priest's robe when he went into the holies of holies. And God is saying, you stand between death and blessing. You stand between what I want for you and you making your own decision. You stand between what I have for you, but at some point you got to trust me. How can I say this? It's hard to trust God when you can't see his hand. It's hard to trust God when you don't understand. As his children, one of the things that we should be learning is his heart towards us. His intent towards us. There's things I understand now that I didn't understand five, two, one years ago about the heart of God that, that, that some things he has taken me through. Watch this. 
I needed to go through. It was good for me that I was afflicted. Because if I had not been afflicted, I would not know how good he is. It is a, it is a deliberate making us taste because you have no other choice but to go to him because he has taken all our other options out the way. And if he don't put us in dire straits, we wouldn't put our faith in him like that. There is a hardness of heart, even though we're saved, there is still a hardness of heart that still lurks in all of us and it raises its ugly head in the most inopportune time. How much time I got? Okay. Okay. You know, I, I was, <laughs> I said, okay, I need to deal with, show me this in scripture. You know what God showed me? He showed me our friend. Our, 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 who's our friend? Our, our, our friend, what, what's his name? What's that prophet name? Uh, I don't forgot his name. It's the one that got on the boat going in the opposite direction. Don't know. It's the one that the big giant fish. <laughs> you, know what, you, know, you know what trips me out? He's a prophet. He's not a non-believer. He's anointed. He, 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 he's empowered. But he had a bad attitude. I mean, I mean, how can I say this? God had to go through extremes. To get him to do, and even when he did it, he didn't want to. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I gotta say this: we can either do what God wants us to do and reap the benefit and the joy of it, and sometimes God will make us do it, and we don't get the benefits of it. God is working to the, to, the, to the finite level of who we are to get us where we need to be. We just don't know it. Here he is, therefore, Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. <laughs> Wait a minute, Jonah. You going through all this because you don't like the Ninevites? And you know that God is compassionate. You know that God is good. So you knew that if over 120,000 people in this city, that God wanted to save them instead of judge them. And you knew if you preach that they may repent and God will show them mercy. And you didn't want the same blessing that was on you 
but be on them. May I ask you a question? Who is it you haven't forgiven? Though you are benefiting from the forgiveness of God. Who is it we're judging? And God has given us grace. Who is it or what is it we won't bless? Because we feel like they don't deserve it. But wait a minute. Everything we have, everything we got, God gave it to us. And he didn't give it to us because we all that good. He gave it to us because God is just that awesome and that loving towards you and I. One of the things we got to begin to do is look at God towards us and that makes us do what we supposed to do. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, therefore, by the mercies of God, by all the mercy, and what he's saying is, based on how he's been merciful to all of us, it should bring about a reaction Because we recognize how much he loves us. I think, I think one of the greatest things we need is a revelation, a deeper revelation of, number one, the holiness of God, then the goodness of God. I think Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, I, I know, I know he, 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 he saved, I think he's a prophet already, and God is taking him to a higher level of commitment. So what God did was give him a deeper revelation, illumination of himself. There's no way you can see God and still be full of pride. Here he is, he's, he's, at, he's in church, as usual. It's the Sabbath. They are praising, as usual. But God shows up in Isaiah's life in an unusual way. Let me explain. You can be sitting next to somebody, and God is speaking to you, God is ministering to you, and they're sitting there asleep. It's what you come with. It's what you come with for expectation. If you don't think nothing's going to happen, then guess what? Nothing's going to happen. If you come with an open heart saying, Lord, it's me, oh Lord. It's me, oh Lord, in the need of prayer. God will walk down your avenue. Revelation says, he says that God walks up and down the pew on Sunday morning or whenever we have service, and he's looking to see who's looking at him. So guess what? There's some people he bypassed. 
And the reason they, he bypassed them, not that he don't want to bless them, is because they're not looking for a blessing. They're not open for God to speak to their heart. My, my question for you and me is, how open is our heart? Because until we get the right attitude of an open heart, it doesn't matter how strong the word comes. It doesn't matter what's being preached. We won't receive it because our All of Israel needed this vision. All of Israel needed to see God high and lifted up. They are in the midst of depression. Their economic situation is getting ready to go bad. Their king, Isaiah, who they had lifted up too high, took the place of God. They didn't recognize that they needed God to be God because King Isaiah was such a great king, they thought they had it made. When God moved him, and God will move our Isaiahs out the way, our crutches out the way, in order for us to see God as God. He saw him, he said, in that year. I saw the Lord, listen, not down and low. I, I was in a class and, and we were talking about the Lord and, and I heard people talk about how they bring Jesus down and put him in a cowboy hat with cowboy boots that they may be able to relate to him, and that just grieved my spirit. And I realized that sometimes, because we don't want to lift ourselves up to make him the image and our identity, we bring him down. We make him less than. We make him like us so we can feel comfortable. You know what? We also feel kind of uncomfortable <laughs> in the presence of the Holy God. It ought to make us lean in. It ought to make us know we need him. It ought to make us recognize our weakness and his strength. He said, I, he said, I saw him, man. I saw him high and lifted up. I even heard the angel say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. And he said, then from the light of his holiness, I saw myself, and I saw myself as a man of unclean lips. Now, naturally, where we go, he must have been a cussing prophet. <laughs> That's not what that is saying. That is not what that is saying. That, that's not, you know what he's saying? Just, just, please hear me. He's saying, my talk is as common, and I don't put God in my talk. I don't see my life from a reference point with him in it. 
I face my situation like people that don't know him face him. I, 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 I talk negative about everything because I no longer believe in the power of God working in my life. I don't see things from God's perspective. I see it from the world's perspective. So you can't tell my talk from anybody else's talk. I'm more worried about Trump than I am God. I more talk politics than I talk that Jesus is Lord. There's no faith in my language. Somehow, I have a, a, a form of godliness, but it hasn't gotten so in my thinking, so in my faith, I, I allow my situation to dictate how I see life instead of allowing my faith in God to dictate how I see life. Then he said, it's not just me, but everyone around me who is Israel, who should know better. I don't hear faith talk. I hear how everybody else is talking. My, my, my language is no different. My precept has not been infused with the kingdom of God where I'm praying about everything and I see God about ready to move on things, but my speech show how I really believe. When I see that, I say, Lord, that's us. We haven't, we haven't infused him in our everyday life. For most of us, when we walk out of here, this is it. God don't go in our car. Matter of fact, before we get out of the best of you, our attitude has already changed. Because, because the power of God, the, the presence of God, we don't, we don't walk, it don't walk with us. Why? Because it's the thinking and the attitude of my mind that, that I need to begin to bring him in as though he is right here as though, as, though, as though the power of God is real, as though he hears us, he cares, he's concerned. He said, cast all our cares. Hmm. You know what's funny about Jonah? That was Jonah's problem. And bitterness got in so side of Jonah, a whole revival broke out <laughs> because of his preaching. 
Nineveh was the greatest empire of that time. And the whole kingdom repented. From the king to the animals. They probably saw Jonah walking around with seaweed around his head. <laughs> and thought he must be a prophet of God. And here they are, the greatest revival. Over 120,000 folks at one time. And Jonah goes off to a place where he can see them wanting God's fire to fall on them. And God sends a hot wind then caused a tree to grow immediately to give him shade. Then he created a worm to eat the tree. And then Jonah said, I just want to die. And I said to God, when things don't go our way, that's our attitude. When disappointment comes, that's unexpected. Lord, that's us. That's me. After seeing all that you have done, we forget <laughs> what you have done. And because of one thing, one person. But my question to me, to us, is he never said it was going to be easy. He promised us we're going to be persecuted. He said these days was going to come. He didn't lie. But we bypass all that and give me the pomegranate fruit <laughs> of all the blessings. But, but this is what we don't understand. He has to be able to trust us with the pomegranate fruit blessings, which means that we're going to have to trust him when it's hard. Listen, <laughs> if Jonah is crying over a tree. He can't be trusted with much more. You know what's so amazing? His story ends there. <laughs> Him, God saying, are you mad of the tree? Yeah, I'm mad. But yeah, I made the tree and I sent the worm to eat it, and you're complaining about a tree when there's over 120,000 people here with, with and, and so many children that don't know right or left, and you mad because I saved them? And the book stops. I said, Lord, this don't feel right. It don't feel right that the story stops here. But maybe his attitude didn't change. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
Maybe what he wanted was more important than what God wanted. So look, God showed me something, somebody else. I, I can't end the sermon on this. <laughs> then I started talk, thinking about David. Sin with Bathsheba had her husband killed for about a year. He, he, he's not repenting. He, he, just, he just, but God got his attention. You know what I love about God? He is persistent in chasing you down. <laughs> Aren't you glad he didn't give up? <laughs> Aren't you glad he chased you down? I tell people, God had a lasso around my neck. You know, like a horse, you know, you got that rope and he's kicking and bucking. And, and the more I ran, the more the rope kept on getting tangled up around the pole until he got me in a place where I couldn't kick no more and I was face to face with him. Let me speak to somebody because you think you're running from God and you're going to run right into him. <laughs> you know, David said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. No matter where I go, you are there. God will find you on the bar stool in your drunken stupor. He will mess up your high to get your attention. He will walk into the crack house where you are smoking crack and mess up your high to get your attention. God will, oh yes he will. <laughs> Whatever it is, God, if God, when God wants you, you might as well turn towards him because God's going to get you one way or another. Woke David up through the prophet Nathan, got him caught up in the story. Then Nathan pointed his crooked finger at David and said, David, the, the, the whole story is really about you. You're the man. And David got a revelation said, oh, Lord. In Psalms 20, 51, you hear him right out. He said, Lord, restore back to me the joy of my salvation. You can fake church. You can fake coming in the church. You can fake like you all that holy. But the one thing you can't fake is the joy of the Lord. Oh, oh. See, your joy is either real or it's fake. And everybody around you wonder why you're so bitter. Because you've done, lost the joy of the Lord. You can come to church all you want to. You can sing 120 songs, but it's still, until we get back, say, it's you, oh Lord. It's you, oh Lord. I need your presence. I need your help. I need you to touch me. Change my attitude. Change my heart. Cleanse me with hyssop. Purify my heart until I see you. 
know what I discovered? We make excuses for ourselves. We blame this, that. We go back to our children, and my mama wouldn't have dropped me on my head. go way back. But when you're standing in his presence and you recognize nobody can change you. I want to change my situation. God said, no. I want to change you. In fact, he will create the situation that you can't get out of. <laughs> he will shut the door so that the door won't open. I don't care who you call, they can't get you out. And God will shut you in, in a room. And his picture is on every wall of that room. And he'll begin to let you know the one that you need, the one that you need to surrender to. The one that can only give you joy in the midst of your star. His name, his name is Jesus. Listen, 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 listen. Sometimes you need a second touch. Sometimes you need God to blow on you again. You've been to church 99 and a half years. And just because you had it 99 years ago don't mean you got the joy now. You need to go back. Take me back. Take me back. Take me back. When I first saw the light. Take me back. When I fell in love with you. Take me back. Till I know that you're my all in all. Take me back. Till I got Joy again. The joy of the Lord is so real that it beats your circumstances. Somebody needs to say, Lord, give me you. Lord, you're the source of my everything. Lord, somehow you can lose Jesus in all the singing, in all the preaching, in all the doing, and doing good things. And we become more work dependent then joy dependent. Sometimes the weight of serving people can steal the joy of the Lord. You cannot allow nobody or nothing 
become so important in your life that you lose your joy over them. <laughs> Listen carefully. Jonah had the same opportunity as David and didn't take it. David ends with the story that God says, he's a man after my own heart. And I knew that whatever I told him to do, he was going to complete it. He don't even talk about Bathsheba. God don't even remember that because it was forgiven. And David becomes the, the, the one who gives the seed, the bloodline of Jesus the Messiah. Jesus is called the son of David. David will always be connected to, to Jesus. And the prophet who had the biggest revival and one day is left with a book of him sitting there saying, I just want to die. <laughs> you got to close the crack and allow joy of the Lord to come in. It's a choice. It's between the bells of death and the promegamate of blessing. And at some point, you got to come to the place, you have to come to the place, the Lord, I choose you. Not my way, your way. Change my heart. Even if you don't change my situation, help me to find contentment and joy. Ah, uh, y'all don't hear me. That, that I realize that you're my source of my everything. And then you'll be surprised what begins to happen after that? God, then God said, you ready for your blessing now? Because now your eyes is on me and not on you. I don't know where you stand today, but I know all of us stand in the middle. All of us stand in the, in the, in the thing of choice. All of us is there, and we are leaning one way or the other. We are listening to one voice or the other. Why? Because that's life. That's the war we in. That's the reality we're in. Whether you see it or not, that's our reality. I say today, choose Jesus. I say today, lean into him. I say today, he loves you and got blessings for you. But you got to see him. 
those that are watching, choose Jesus. It's asking the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life and say, today, Lord, forgive me of my sins, and I want the joy of your salvation to be made manifest in my life. Nobody can do you like Jesus. Nobody can love you like Jesus. Nobody can help you like Jesus. The 451-31 number, if you call it, a minister will call you back and he will minister to you. The ministers are going to go to the door and, and if there's somebody in the house, you just need them to have that personal prayer. If, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior, they will talk to you. They will walk with you into accepting Jesus. Those that want to come to the altar as we get ready to go to the altar, come on. Come on. Come on. We're going to ask God to, to, to just restore our joy. To restore just that relationship where day by day that we're walking with him and talking with him. Would you stand with me? Will you stand with me? And if the, somebody will come to the altar, come on. If you want to bring somebody to the altar, grab them by the hand and say, come on. So, some ladies need to come with this sister that you can touch and agree. They just need to come and stand with her because we're family. Amen.